into cybersecurity, there's a ton of content out there. And if you don't know where to start, it can be overwhelming, even paralyzing. So let's fix that. Welcome to Simply Cyber, a community of tens of thousands of aspiring and active cybersecurity professionals focused on networking, knowledge sharing, and professional development. I'm Dr. Gerald Dozier, Chief Content Creator at Simply Cyber, inviting you to get the answers to your cybersecurity problems with hundreds of cybersecurity videos answering your frequently asked questions, interviewing industry experts, and live streaming daily cyber threat briefings hosted by me. Now get the stories and insights you won't find anywhere else. Hit subscribe now and dig into all the fresh content on the channel and in the community. Nothing should stop you from launching and leveling up your cybersecurity career today. All right, good morning, folks. A little chill, a little funk coming into uh, Monday. What's cracking? Good morning, everybody. Today is Monday, September, what is it, 25th, 2023. Welcome to episode number 458 of Simply Cyber's Daily Cyber Threat Briefing. I am your host, Dr. Gerald Dozier. And over the next 45 minutes, me, you, Jesse Johnson, Stephanie Strauss, Antoine Side, Johnny Five, Audit on IT, LinkedIn, folks. LinkedIn, folks, uh, YouTube, folks, everybody in the squad, everybody in the cybersecurity community, newcomers, long timers, first timers, anybody, you're all, uh, you're all part of the community, and we're all going to be shredding the top cybersecurity news stories of the day. Sean Peral, love being part of the community. Sean, love it, love having you in the community, guys. We're going to be shredding the top cybersecurity news stories of the day, and I'll be giving my expert opinion and analysis on each of those stories on what it means to you as a practitioner, or if you're looking to break into the industry, there's going to be value here for you. This is a multi-pronged approach. This is like um, Poseidon's trident. We've got multiple dimensions of attack here. Believe me, guys, it's, it's super awesome. And the uh, spoiler alert, any job interview you go to, you're going to be asked. I don't care, by the way, if you're like, uh, entry level, mid, senior, like you're going to be asked, how do you stay current on cybersecurity? Because it's ever, <laughs> it's ever important uh, for practitioners to stay up to date uh, so they can remain vigilant and more effective. By the way, this Simply Cyber Daily Cyber Threat Briefing podcast is a heck of a good answer on how do you stay current. Coming in from Mod Chat, Tyler Zeisloff. Good morning, everyone. My first brief. What? Let's go, Tyler. Welcome to the party. Hashtag first timer. If it is your first time on the show, hashtag first timer, let us know what's up. Pass the comp to you. A plus core one Friday. Steven Mount. Straight crushing it, homie. Way to go. Set him up, knock him down. Easy peasy. Good luck, Steven, on the next one. I know you're, you got momentum now, my friend. All right, guys. It's totally pumped. Going into the sublime. Had a great weekend with the family, unplugged a bit. You may have noticed or not noticed, I don't know, that I was like a little less online, uh, but definitely recharged, ready to rock and roll. Got a short week for myself. Uh, we have a special guest host on Friday this week. You guys know him. The, the ever uh, charming and uh, engaging Eric Taylor of Barricade Cyber Solutions. Speaking of Barricade Cyber Solutions, why don't we uh, say what's up to the stream sponsors, those who allow us to bring this show to you every day with no ads 
I, I might add, we don't have intro ad, YouTube ad rolls. Uh, so you don't ever have to deal with that nonsense. Hey, what's up, Barricade Cyber Solutions? They're dedicated to helping businesses from cyber attacks and recover from the damage done. Cyber attacks can cause massive issues for businesses and send dedicated, hardworking business owners into turmoil. But don't worry, y'all. Barricade Cyber Solutions knows how to mitigate the damage done by cyber incidents. Believe that. Barricade Cyber. <laughs> Check them out at barricadecyber.com. Links in the description below. Just so you know, if, if you're like Tyler and you're like, why is he playing a dolphin noise? Uh, Eric Taylor is a mod. He he owns and runs Barricade Cyber. He's also a guest host when I'm unavailable. And uh, the, 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 the dolphin is his, uh, it's when he swears. So it's his signature. Catherine Haney getting up on the West Coast, getting first time live streaming with us. You know what, uh, Catherine? Uh, hello, and what can we do? What would be a good sound? Uh, just... Classic anime. Wow. Thanks, Catherine, for getting up early. Genuinely appreciate that. Hey, guys, I also want to tell you about Panopsi Cyber. Get a partner who understands your cybersecurity program and your business goals. Panopsi Cyber can come in and help you write your ship and get you on an actual roadmap to build an information security program. Why would you want to do that? Lower risk higher value, better able to communicate to the business on what you're doing and where their money's going. If they're not even giving you money, it's a great way to like make compelling cases for budget. Believe me, go to Panopsi Cyber and, or Panopsi, excuse me, Panopsi.com and uh, get on the phone with Brandon Poole. He's going to be able to sort you out. All right, guys, also anti-siphon training, but more about them at the mid-roll. If it is, uh, if you are a um, practitioner who holds a cybersecurity certification, every episode of the daily cyber threat brief is worth half a CPE. So say what's up in chat, take a screen cap, file it away, two and a half a week, 10 a month. Get those CPEs, y'all. They're very, very easy. If you're not sure what to say, hashtag team live in chat, hashtag first timer if it's your first episode. And if you're on replay, hashtag team replay. Team replay are people too, my people. I love me some team replay. Especially those, you know what? Uh, I really love Team Replay. I mean, I love all of Team Replay, but guys, there's some folks who started, who broke into cybersecurity and they can't be here because they are working in cybersecurity, right? So uh, totally, totally reasonable explanation on why you wouldn't be Team Live anymore. Guys, we got a great show for you. I'm super pumped. It is Callan's Art of the Week. Uh, Callan has entered into a new phase of his art. So we're gonna get into that at the mid-roll. But guys, we got a great long show for you, so let's stick into it. And uh, it is Monday, so we'll have a little bit of time for jawjacking at the end. Uh, Santiago Blanco with a first-timer commenting from Ontario. What's up? Thank you so much, Santiago. Great to have you here in chat with us live. Haircut Fish got an interview on Wednesday for a security architect position. You know what you should do? Straight crush it, my friend. Dan Reardon. Dan Reardon, the guy who makes memes of the week every Thursday um, with a security architect position. Just put on your boots, Dan, and kick a mud hole in that job. You got it. All right, guys. Do me a favor. Everybody chill. Get your coffee. I'm going to fill up. I got my favorite mug right now. Uh, the biggest mug I own, <laughs> which is why it's my favorite. I'm going to go ahead and top this puppy off. Coffee cup cheers to you. Get yourself a cup of coffee, a bourbon, a glass of wine, depending on where you are and what your situation dictates. But either way, get something delicious. Settle into your favorite chair. Sit back and relax. 
and let's let the cool sounds of the hot news wash over all of us in an awesome wave. I will see you guys at the mid-roll. From the CISO series, it's cybersecurity headlines. It's Monday, September 25th, 2023. Car audio manufacturer Clarion hacked. Alf V claims responsibility. The Japan-based company that, in addition to car audio, makes backup cameras, navigation systems, and video systems for vehicles including Suzuki, Toyota, Subaru, Ford, and Volkswagen was added to the ALF V tour-based victims list yesterday. ALF V Black Cat claims it is in possession of, quote, the engineering information of the company's customers, end quote, and adds that in two days the data will be, quote, transferred to interested parties and partially posted in the public domain, end quote. They included some screenshots as evidence. High-ranking Egypt. Really quickly, sorry, I was texting with uh, mods about bourbon. (laughs) Bourbon in the morning. Bourbon in the morning. Listen, all right, guys, finish my shift police dispatcher news time. Magdalia, love it. This is just a little one for Magdalia. All right, so a couple things here. Starting the week off with a ransomware story. Ooh, shocker. Okay, guys, here's here's what I want you to uh, take away from this one, okay? Really quickly. Oh, let me move this up. So, Alfie, top-tier uh, ransomware threat actor. We know this already. When I, when I saw this story, by the way, I do not prepare or research these stories in advance, so you're getting my raw uh, impressions. Clarion, okay, like, yeah, they make car radios and navigation equipment, whatever. That's super cool. The TLDR that you need to take away here is that manufacturing is the number one industry impacted by ransomware, bar none. Healthcare is number two, and healthcare is the number one uh, in the United States. Critical infrastructure uh, targeted industry, right? Just for some metrics uh, for you to like, you know, take back or whatever, keep in your mind. But manufacturing is number one. And remember, manufacturing, it's easy to put, it's very easy to um, draw a line between cyber incident impact and, and you know, money basically, right? Great cash, homie. In manufacturing, it's very easy to see how much like one hour of downtime costs because when you stop making widgets or uh, receivers or, you know, tape decks, Ooh, just, just aged myself there, <laughs> a tape deck. Um, you could say to the business, like, listen, if we're down, we're going to lose, you know, whatever, $632,000 an hour. This isn't good. Then that helps inform how much budget you should spend on securing assets, how much budget you should send, spend on alternate facilities and everything like this for Alfie to hit a manufacturer as large as Clarion, definitely tracks right like if you're a smaller uh, manufacturing company you have like i don't know say five facilities in you know tennessee or whatever well then you can get hit by an affiliate like lockbit or something like that and 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 be down with clarion you know i mean dude like let's just take a quick look here um clarion uh annual revenue let's just take a look right they sell tape decks 81 million dollars last year that's not very high. That's not very high at all, actually. Huh. 10,000 employees. That's not high at all. Think about that for a second, right? $81 million, 10,000 employees. 
So that means like per employee, $800,000, which I'm, which I'm not saying is nothing, but not, I mean, that's not, think about that 800 grand per person in that business roughly. And that, that doesn't track because you, you've got operating costs, rent, obviously labor, IT, um, you know, uh, infrastructure replacements, laptops, um, health benefits to pay for your uh, staff, uh, 401k. Uh, Clarion's running lean. I, I've never seen, I, this is stunning. I would have guessed like, I, I, I literally would have guessed like 1.2 billion, you know, like 750 to 1.25 billion is where I would have uh, been operating in. <coughs> this isn't, <coughs> this isn't good. Um, so, all right. I mean, I guess they're not making money very well up there, but Clarion is a global manufacturer and there is an easy line to draw between getting hit, uh, but between uh, manufacturing being down and getting hit. So all you, all you should really know here um, is that manufacturing is the most targeted and Alfie is a top th ransomware threat actor. And I'm absolutely stunned at how low Clarion's revenue is. Wow politician targeted by predator spyware. In a recent blog post, Citizen Lab stated that, quote, recent attempts to hack former Egyptian lawmaker Ahmed Al-Tantawi involved configuring his connection to the Vodafone Egypt mobile network to automatically infect his devices with the predator spyware if he visited certain websites not using the secure HTTPS protocol, end quote. This comes after Al-Tantawi announced a presidential bid. The discovery was made by Citizen Labs together with Google's Threat Analysis Group. The spyware exploit chain was apparently sent to Altantawi's phone via SMS and WhatsApp links from within Egypt. City of Dallas. All right, so a couple things here. One, um, again, this is not what this spyware was intended for. So, okay, really quickly, this is mobile spyware. Uh, it gets on your phone and then threat actors can read your text messages, your phone call logs, what your pictures are, maybe turn your mic on if you're in a meeting, listen to, you know, eavesdrop, all these other things. Now, predator spyware, while effective, and, you know, I'm not an expert on it, is not as awesome as Pegasus spyware, okay? So Pegasus, as far as I know, is like the chef's kiss, creme de la creme, when it absolutely must be infected overnight you use Pegasus, right? Predator requires, uh, because Pegasus doesn't require any intervention from the victim, right? I send you a text message with Pegasus on it and you're owned and that's it. Predator does require the victim to interact with a link, uh, presumably to download or install something. Um, I don't know. I mean, it's easy for me to like point fingers and say like, dude, if you announce, if you announce that you're going to become like running for president, in a country that is, um, you know, kind of in conflict right now, and then you get a weird text message on WhatsApp or, or app, and then you follow it and download something like, what are you doing, <laughs> right? Um, now, the companies that make this spyware, they can do it legally. Because uh, a lot of people say to me, like, how is this, like a lot of non-cyber people, they're like, how is this possible? How can... How can they sell a tool like this? Or how can you sell a post-exploitation framework like uh, Cobalt Strike? And there are reasons for it, right? Law enforcement. Regulators! My 
federal law enforcement has a perfect legitimate use case for this on maybe uh, a really connected organized crime individual where they're trying to take down the entire uh, syndicate or whatever. But there is a human element here of the uh, software manufacturers of the spyware being, you know, uh, discerning about who they sell it to. <clears throat> so if you were righteous, you're like, hey, uh, Egyptian opposition, like, oh, hey, we'd like to buy your software. Well, who, what are you going to use it for? Uh, we're we're going we're gonna to put it on our, um, somebody who just announced they're running for president. We're going to tap them. That way we can find some dirt on them and exploit them. They definitely would not, should not sell it for that use case. However, if I had to guess, either A, they said, it's none of your business. Here's a bunch of money. Sell it to us. Or B, they said, Oh, it's for our federal law enforcement. And then the company was like, hold on, let me check your money. Great cash, homie. Money checks out. Go ahead. Go ahead. Use it in federal law enforcement. So, you know, the software manufacturer here turns a blind eye. The client, you know, could lie or, you know, just say nothing. Either way, um, if you think that these tools that are made for specific authorized use cases are not being sold and weaponized, for you know, private citizens and stuff like that, then you're sorely mistaken, right? At the end of the day, it's all about straight cash, homie. Straight cash, homie. And these things, these these softwares, right? They're so effective. I think I read that Pegasus sells for like between five hundred thousand and two million dollars in install. Jesus, right? I I think you can buy bundles too. Like maybe you can, maybe it's like five hundred grand a rip but you can buy like five installs for $2 million. So it's like buy four, get one free. Um, you know, like watch out, it's BOGOs. Like wait for Black Friday to buy your spyware. But anyways, um, that's what's up here. Also fun fact, um, I, I, I could explain why, but this weekend I was like cruising on the Department of State's, <laughs> cruising on the Department of State's website. Like who, who doesn't do that on the weekends? Uh, looking at the level uh, travel advisory levels for different countries in the United uh, for the United States. So basically, the Department of State has a website where they'll say like levels one through four, like Canada's level one, like go go and and travel, go see uh, America's uh, top hat or whatever America's hat or whatever whatever you want to call it. Like go go to Montreal and and see the Houdini Museum, whatever you want. And then there's countries like. Um, Libya, where it's like level four, do not travel, like do not travel. I was surprised to find Egypt is level four. There's only a few countries in the level four. Many of them you would probably guess, right? Like Iraq, Afghanistan, Libya, um, Russia, but Egypt is on there too. So fun fact. Anyways, it's worth, it's worth checking out. Let's keep going. This issues report on May cyber attack. <laughs> The city of Dallas, which was hit by a ransomware attack in May of this year, has released its report on the incident, stating that, quote, the Royal Ransomware Group gained access to the city's infrastructure using a stolen domain service account, end quote. The report adds, quote, Royal was then able to traverse the internal city infrastructure during the surveillance period using legitimate third-party remote management tools, end quote. The attack did not affect 911 operations, but PII of up to 30,000 people was affected. The city has approved $8.5 million for expenses related to mitigation of the attack. Burp. Oh my God. Um, 
so I mean, this is a this is this is a very um, public, real example where in May Dallas got hit. Okay. Now I'm a little confused because they say to mitigate the attack, but like the attacks already happened. This was in May. Now we're in September, four months later. I'm sure they're still like kind of recovering from it, but like the attack is over. If anything, it would be to like mitigate future ransomware attacks. This is a perfect, perfect case study just to demonstrate that when a business that doesn't invest in security gets hit, commonly they will then invest heavily into security. And and the inside joke is like, dude, you're spending a dollar today. You could have spent 25 cents a month ago and, 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 you know, gotten not the same amount of uh, security, but like you're over, not overspending. Cause obviously I'll take the money, but like this happens all the time. Now, Eric Taylor, I don't know if Eric Taylor's in chat. Eric Taylor has um, disputed that comment and said in some of the instances he's seen, they just want the business just wants to get back up and running and not, not learn from the pain of the lesson that they just experienced. Um, I've seen I've seen mixed results. I'd love it in chat if you're a practitioner and your business or you 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 know you've had a client that got hit. Uh, what was their spend after their incident? Did it increase or did it stay the same? And they just want to get back up and running and not really care about it because uh, a lot of times threat actors will come back if you don't fix the problem right? You're, you're a soft target and they've already experienced how to take you out. And they've already experienced that you'll pay the ransom, right? If, if you did pay the ransom. So eight and a half million bucks, uh, no, no uh, small amount of money. Now, the good news is it says here that the attack only hit 200 devices. Now you might say at first I was like, oh, 200 devices, that's not bad. But then if it's, what if it's 200 file servers, right? That's quite different than 200 of Carl's laptops. So, um, all right. So Jeremy, uh, we got inside information here. I used to be part of the Dallas IT department, very disorganized and definitely under budget. All right. So confirming it. Thank you, Jeremy. I appreciate that. Uh, <coughs> appreciate it. All right. So that's the deal. Hopefully, hopefully I, here's the thing. I don't want any municipality to get hit. Okay. Like it sucks. It sucks for the citizens. It sucks for the city. It sucks for everybody, right? So I, I don't want anyone to do it, but if you're not going to invest, like, you know, I I have my reservations about the town I live in, about how effective their cyber is. I tried to get involved with them through my consulting company. Not happening. <laughs> not happening. Muta blames system outages on Russia-based hackers. The Premier of Bermuda, David Burt, said on Thursday that an attack that has affected internet service on the island can be attributed to threat actors based in Russia. The attack has slowed or stopped some government services such as payroll and vendor payments and has even brought the government's own website down. Uh, all right. All right, so Bermuda gets hit. Bermuda, which is interesting. I always, I grew up thinking Bermuda was in the Caribbean. I mean, hold on. What am I, what's the, what is the island country in the middle of the Atlantic? Maybe Bermuda is in the, in the, um, in there. Hold on one second. What am I thinking of? Aruba? Holy crap. No, Bermuda. I was right. 
Dude, what do they mean? Like, this is annoying. What are you talking about, Caribbean? Like, I, I know Bermuda, like, I, I'm sorry, this isn't an information security uh, take, but like this guy, like, it's cute that you want to be like part of the Caribbean crew, right? Like you're, uh, this is like the 1980s and there's like a, like a breakdancing crew on the corner and Bermuda's like, no, I'm, I'm down with the Caribbean crew. And it's like, bro, you live in like a different borough altogether. Like, look at this. You are not, this is not, you're probably just as close to Nova Scotia. Why don't you go dance with them, pal? Come on with this. Is that, I mean, am I wrong here? Am I out of control? This is not Turks Caicos. Like the Bahamas, Turks Caicos, DR, British Virgin Islands. That's a crew. They roll deep over here. We're talking Adidas shell toes. Bermuda? What are you doing, man? You still got the tag on your Kangol hat. Get out of here. That. I don't even remember what the story's about. I'm sorry. Oh, Jesus. All right. Um, so whatever. They got hit. And they, they say it's Russia. Here's what I would say. Like, how many, how many uh, citizens in Bermuda? 63,000 citizens. Okay. Let's get, I'm sorry. I just have to break this down so I can make a, an, an opinion on this. All right, so Bermuda's GDP is $7 billion. That's that's not bad. Um, not bad. 60,000 uh, citizens, $7 billion. Um, I'm just trying to think of, like, how good their federal cybersecurity um, group would be. And then how are they – how could they possibly um, – how would they possibly be able to attribute it to Russia? The only thing I can think of is that like Russia said straight up, like, like comrade, we're attacking you because what, like, what are we doing? I am. And again, I'm sorry. I, I feel like I'm all over the place today with, with my news, but, um, this is like a nothing story. Like Bermuda's claiming they got hit and it sucks. They're down, right? Cashiers are accepting cash and checks, whatever. Um, the Department of IT is working with the Ministry of National Security, which handles most cybersecurity issues. Again, I, this is kind of fascinating to me a little bit. Um, I'm, I'm trying to basically get through to the details of like how well funded they are and how like what's their staff look like. Because dude, if it's like one guy manning like a speak and spell, that's not a, that's like, how are you giving attribution? Ugh, whatever. It sucks. It sucks for Bermuda. Hey, all right, before we get into the, the next part, I got a fun fact about Bermuda. I was at a conference in March, and there was a guy sitting next to me at dinner who lives in Bermuda. He moved to Bermuda like 20 years ago. He said it's a great little uh, city safe. Here's a wicked fun fact. And I'm sorry that this isn't cyber, but just bear with me. Cause it's unbelievable in Bermuda. And you can, I, I'm, he, I believed the man, so I didn't Google it, but you can Google it and call me a liar if I'm lying in Bermuda. They have an incredibly strict policy or law about having a gun, right? So if you have a pistol, it, like you go to jail for like 25 years or something like that, it's like insane. So there are gangs on Bermuda, though, 
so there's like a little market system where like someone owns a gun, right? They're, they're taking the risk and you rent the gun from them. Like it's blockbuster. And you, and then, um, I think maybe they'll sell you bullets too, but like they, you rent the gun. And when you're done with the gun, like committing a robbery or shooting somebody, whatever, um, you bring the gun back and like, you know, you return it, uh, like, you know, within its lease period, it, it's crazy. Um, but yeah, they, they have low crime because of that. Right. Obviously. Um, Okay, just fun fact. Kind of weird when I when he told me that I was like, "What?" All right. And now a word from our sponsor, <laughs> App Omni. If you think CASBs effectively secure your SaaS data, think again. CASBs lack visibility into your SaaS estate, nor can they address and detect risks that arise from SaaS apps' unlimited endpoints. What you need is a robust SSPM designed to secure the dynamic and extensible nature of SaaS apps and their data. That's where App Omni comes in. We continuously monitor your SaaS estate to detect cyber risks and secure your company's most critical data and workflows. Get started at appomni.com. That's A P P O M N I dot com. <laughs> Emmanuel. Emmanuel Dark saying, uh, gun ride sharing. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad. Thanks for the, for the people in chat who are commenting about that law, um, and, and the situation. Appreciate it. All right, guys, it's the mid roll. I know we got a couple first timers in here. What's up, Marcus Kyler. We got a couple first timers in here. This is what we do every time, every day, every first, every mid roll. We are right at 8.30, which absolutely slaps for me. Oh, it feels so good. It's like a beautiful infographic. Right at the mid-roll, right at the, the bottom of the hour. Okay, guys. I want to say thank you to all of you, including the stream sponsors, Barricade, Cyber, Panopsi, Anti-Siphon. Really quickly, Anti-Siphon Training is here to help you. They're going to disrupt traditional training industry by providing high-quality, cutting-edge education to everyone, regardless of their financials. And they are offering courses taught by experts in the field. It's amazing what they're doing here with the pay what you can. Click the link in the description below. Go to the pay what you can and look at their calendar of events. Maybe some of you got on the John Strand train last week. Now if their CISSP mentorship. Megdalia, October 3rd. We've got introduction to PCI if you guys want to learn that. Um, yep, packet decoding. Just come on, come on back. You want to, here's the deal. You want to um, bookmark this because they're constantly updating the calendar. All right. Thank you, Anti-Siphon Training, for the support. Guys, Simply Cyber <clears throat> appreciates all of you. I do. I really do. Um, do me a favor. If, it, if you can, <clears throat> if you don't mind, hit the like button on YouTube. Why? We all search cybersecurity content. We all look at other stuff on YouTube, but we are watching cybersecurity content too. If you're all hitting the like button, it will trigger YouTube algorithm to go tell other people who are searching for cybersecurity content that they may be interested in this stream. And like many of you know, once you get in here, we got, we're sticky. We're really, we're the sticky bandits, right? Dude, we're having a good time. We're doing work, but it's not boring. It doesn't suck. Uh, and we want other people to find out about it. Build our community, build our network, right? Deliver value to each other. So hit that like button and be part of it. Guys, the Simply Cyber Community Challenge, I wanna say shout out, first of all, to Jenny Housley. Jenny, 
Jenny Housley has been helping maintain the Simply Cyber Community Challenge for months and months. And because of her, we are able to keep doing this. So Jenny, thank you so very much for your support. Guys, Austin Crouch currently has the baton. So Austin's gonna tag someone in chat. And let me tell you what you guys need to do. If you want to supercharge your LinkedIn feed, this is basically a hack. If you would like your LinkedIn to have a network, your network of connections be meaningful and cyber people, and not just a, a number that you get to, but a rich, robust group of people, which will in turn make your LinkedIn feed valuable, supportive, positive. It's amazing. All you have to do is go onto LinkedIn and search for this hashtag. There's enough of us doing it that we've made this work. Search for this hashtag. Find the people who are posting and commenting and comment yourself on those posts. Then connect with the posters and the people in comments. It will take you 10 minutes a day, okay? It's not, it's, there's no like instant button. You do have to put in a little bit of work. But by doing that and commenting, you'll get picked up in the Peloton with other people liking and commenting. Listen and read the stories of the people with the batons and maybe one day you'll get picked for the baton if you'd like it. Guys, believe me and ask people in chat right now what their experience has been like. If you do this, it will have seriously positive impact on your situation. Believe me. Simply Cyber Community Challenge. I look forward to it. Guys, really quickly, I want to tell you, we're going to be doing this for the next couple days. We've got a great um, live stream this Thursday. Special reminder, the Simply Cyber Community of Cyber and IT Pros. I'm very excited. We have a special Simply Cyber Live this Thursday. As we navigate the evolving tech landscape, there's one platform making waves. You might remember, we've had them on before, the Intel V Pro. We're going to welcome Gary Binder this Thursday, September 28th at 3.30 p.m. Eastern Time on live. We're diving deep into its capabilities. Learn how Intel V Pro is not just a platform, but a solution enhancing business continuity, manageability, and fortifying security. So if you're serious about staying at the forefront of IT innovation, this is one discussion you can't afford to miss. Set a reminder and let's discuss organizational cyber risk reduction together live this Thursday at 3.30, special time, 3.30 p.m. Eastern time. And finally, guys, I just want to share with you, it is Callan's Art of the Week. Now, Callan, my son, one of my sons, he does uh, arts and crafts. He's very creative. And every single Monday, he makes a little special piece of art. And it, the formats have changed. He's done clay. He's done pictures, photographs. Um, this one is raw. This is from his, his sketch journal. But he has started doing 3D stuff. And you can see 3D stuff. So he's begun to explore the medium of coming off the paper, not just stick figures, sideways facing people, but you can see he's beginning to experiment with cubes and shapes. I think this is a chair. So um, as he explores and finds his 3D style, we just want to take a moment and recognize you, Callan. Great job and thank you for being part of the show. All right, guys, let's slide back into the news. Hotel scam raises the stakes in social engineering. A sophisticated social engineering-based theft campaign has been discovered by researchers at Perception Point and Akamai that significantly raises the stakes for hotels and those in the travel industry. In essence, a request to make or change a hotel reservation gives criminals access to travelers who are then sent a convincing email from that hotel urging them to send documents to a URL that leads to info-stealing malware. This then allows the criminals to point victims to a fake booking.com site. 
The software behind the ruse also contains sophisticated anti-analysis features to make detection difficult. Hmm. Details about scattered spot. <clears throat> um. This is interesting. Okay. <clears throat> I just I just did some uh, travel this weekend. Verbo. I'm a Verbo guy. Uh, hotel hackers. Attacking and stealing credit cards. So the impact here is stolen credit cards. If you work in hospitality, um, you know, you should be mindful of this. Adam V. Adam V. Did we just become best friends? Yep. Thank you so much, Adam, uh, for the super chat. Jeff Finley, appreciate it. Have a good week, guys. Crush your goals. Absolutely. Um, guys, here's the deal. This one is, um, to me, this one is absolutely for Carl. This one's absolutely for Carl. Use this as an opportunity to educate your end users, not scare the crap out of them, but educate your end users. Guys, imagine if you will, you're traveling or you've got a hotel and then you get, who like who doesn't in 2023, get a text message or get an email and say, hey, your flight, there's been a change to your flight. See, see uh, updated um, dates. If you had a hotel appoint, uh, appointment, if you had a hotel reservation coming up, and you got an email, from, like I'm staying in a hotel next weekend, and I just got an email today about upgrading my room, right? Like they're trying to upsell me. It's not uncommon. We are conditioned as users to expect that type of communication from hotels, airlines, Verbo, whatever. It's high touch because they want you to feel comfortable and have a good experience and all that. You know what? Hat tip to the threat actors. They are now taking advantage of that condition that we are used to and saying, oh, okay, like, hey, there's been a problem. There's been a problem with your room. There's been a problem with your booking. Your flight's going to be canceled unless you do something, right? This is classic phishing where they take some activity that's going to cause you anxiety or panic where you're not going to be thinking with your logical mind. You're going to be thinking with like, oh, I got to fix this right away. And if they say, hey, your upcoming flight's been canceled unless you do X, or hey, your room is going to be given away unless you do X, that is a motivating uh, way to tap into someone's um, emotions and get them to make a bad move. Now, on this one, it's a fake booking.com website or booking.yeah, as BSEC said. So if, um, if you didn't use booking.com, then you know, it should send alarm bells ringing, but I, I would almost think threat actors are going to um, either. So there's two things going on here. Let me let me look at something really quickly. I'm just looking at booking.com statistics really quickly. <clears throat> um, booking.com was the most visited travel and tourism website in the world in 20 in October of 2022 500 million visits okay guys i don't do research beforehand so this is all live so 500 million visits in October of last year all right so for return on investment booking.com fake website is fine there's 350 of us in chat right now some of us statistically speaking some of us should be using booking.com so for threat actors, they're choosing the widest net that they can cast. So if I get it, 
I'm a Verbo guy. If I get booking.com, I'm like, you know, suck an egg, pal. Like I'm not obviously falling for this, but somebody else could. And and there's a higher return on investment by faking the booking.com website. So um, interesting hat tip. Now, the other thing I want to point is, is that they steal credit cards. I don't know about you, but in my experience lately, the credit card companies are damn good. Sorry, Kennedy. They're very, very good at detecting fraud, right? Like I travel, I, I went to San Diego a couple months ago. I went to Illinois, like Peoria, Illinois last week or two weeks ago, I think. And I'm using my credit card all over the place. No problem. I drived, I drived, oh my God, Jerry. I drove to like, I drove somewhere, like like two hours south of here. And we stopped at like a fast food restaurant on the highway and someone working there uh, like skimmed my card, okay? Because later on that like day or the next day, the credit card company notified me that there was a fraudulent transaction on my credit card. And, and like where it was and stuff. And I'm like, what the, so I don't know how they do it. You know, it's probably, um, Shall we play a game? I, it's probably AI. It's magic. I don't care. All I know is credit card companies typically don't make you pay for, uh, fraudulent charges and B they're really good at detecting fraud versus legitimate, uh, charges, which by the way, just makes me think like my privacy is completely out the window. If they're able to like profile me to the point of like knowing, like that, what I would buy and what I would not buy. Um, so anyways, that's what's up. Um, hold on. Yeah. I, yeah. Ray, Ray Napoli. I drive, I drive like <laughs> I like windows. Oh my God. Okay. Spider emerge. In further hotel-related cybersecurity news, the group behind the recent <laughs> attacks on the Caesars and MGM hotel chains is being described by Palo Alto Networks as sophisticated and organized, and who use social engineering techniques to pose as employees who have lost their login details and worm their way in through the help desk. They are also skilled at bypassing MFA. Kevin Mandia, founder of Mandiant, points out that they are also ruthless, overwhelming security teams, leaving threatening messages, and even swatting the homes of executives of targeted companies. CrowdStrike estimates that many of its members are between 17 and 22 years old. There is still much mystery around the reach and impact of scattered spider around the world. Las Vegas was far from their only conquest. Wendy Whitmore, senior vice president at Palo Alto Networks Unit 42, describes them as similar to lapses in their operations. Uh, yeah. Okay, so a couple things. One, um, very much like lapses. Now, with lapses, we knew that they were young, but they're, they're grandiose, like, uh, reckless behavior was very public like they were like openly taunting on public clear web uh their victims um nokia um i think the brazilian government got hit like like they were openly bragging and being arrogant personally this mgm caesar's breach i feel like i said it was like lap uh um Lazarus or one of these top tier ones because you'd think MGM and Caesars would have like top end uh, cybersecurity. But apparently um, it is not. And it is these Gen Z hackers. Now they're being arrogant and braggadocious to their victims, less public. 
But guys, they just made 15 million off Caesars. That's not chump change. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know about you guys, but between the ages of 17 and 22, I probably had, you know, a couple hundred bucks to my name. Uh, and I made it work. Okay. I made it work. But dude, if you gave me $15 million, I would definitely be like, whatever I just did to get 15 million, I want to do more of that. <clears throat> you got to remember these kids, um, they don't have, you know, I mean, they do have families, but I, I guess what I'm thinking, I'm trying to get into the psyche of the attacker here, right? 17 to 22. So you feel invincible. You feel like you can crush the world. You feel like adults are old, slow, and don't get it. You, um, you don't have kids typically, or like, a, um, you might have a, a girlfriend, a boyfriend, but like you haven't moved into that phase of life where it's not all about you and you could commit 15, 20 hours a day if you really wanted to go and ham on something, right? With, with threat actors, you got to remember this, guys. It's all about how sophisticated they are. So how capable are they? How motivated are they? And how much time do they have, right? With, with a 17 to 22 year old and $15 million for one victim, highly motivated, a lot of time, and um, sophistication varies. Now, one thing I would say about sophistication is that the attack that they're doing is um, calling help desk and socially engineering them. That is, that is effective, obviously, but I do find it um, wild that there isn't more being done to either limit the amount of uh, change that help desk can do, if there isn't better processes in place. With help desk, it's, it's a nice, easy attack vector because um, they're there to help you. They're there to reset your password. They're there to do all those things that you want them to do. Um, obviously, Caesars is definitely going to revisit their password reset uh, policy and process and get that straightened out. But obviously the horse has already left the barn. So that doesn't really help you too much. Um, I would think uh, these guys, th these attackers, uh, Scattered Spider, as they're being called, I think that's a CrowdStrike name. They're not not technical though. They do do SIM swapping, right? Which is one way to get around multi-factor authentication or one way to prove that they are the person calling the help desk. Um, doing swatting attacks on executives is kind of bananas. Um, swatting is where you call in and say that you're like, you know, you are like bunkered into your own home and you've got, you've taken your own family hostage. And if the police come, you're going to shoot them, right? Like you basically um, lie and say that you're, you're, you're causing, you're a threat at this house. And then the SWAT team comes and hopefully they don't shoot first and ask questions later. Uh, but you know, I, I think with executives, you know, I'd have to imagine they live in nice homes and nice communities. Um, and the, you know, the chances of SWAT, like taking one of those SWAT tanks and just driving it through your house is probably low. But still, it's a real physical threat to these people. So um, final hot take, speculative hot take, if you will. Let me get my tinfoil hat out. If I had to guess, the U.S. government is going, like... The U.S. government's going to intervene on this one and help bring these particular threat actors to justice. They're young, so they can be made an example of. Two, because they're young, they probably, they, they want to brag, frankly, about what they're doing. 
Um, so they might have poor operational security, a little bit easier to find. Three, MGM and Caesars is not, I mean, I know they have other victims, but like that's big money and big money typically um, has relationships with politicians, right? Just to put it plainly. Great cash, homie. So if, you know, if you're getting hit and you have a friend who's at dinner who happens to be, you know, a senator or an assistant director at the FBI, right? Like you may, you may get some help on that one, right? So we'll keep an eye on this one. I'm going to say it now, September 25th, 2023. This threat actor group before the end of the year will be in the news with at least one of them getting arrested. And by the way, I feel like if you get one of them, they're young. Uh, I mean, if you threaten them with like life in prison, they're they're probably open to <clears throat> disclosing uh, who else was in the gang. Okay. All right, we'll see. California court ruling on child online safety laws has ripple effects. A federal judge struck down the California Age Appropriate Design Code (CAADC) last week on First Amendment grounds. But experts suggest this could lead to a domino effect referring to laws in Connecticut and Florida, at least, that are similar to the CAADC in their own consumer privacy laws. The ruling may also have a negative effect on the Kids Online Safety Act, KOSA, currently being negotiated by Congress. Dead glyph. Oh, my God. This is one of those ones where, like, you want to... The, dev the devil's always in the details, right? So, basically, there's this piece of legislation called Kids Online Safety Act and a federal judge struck it down. You, you, you'd think like, what? Why? Why would you ever want to do that? Like who, like this federal judge, like, what do you not like kids being safe? But I'm sure the devil's in the details. Uh, no matter what will be appealed to the Supreme Court, a law professor in high tech law. I, okay. That was kind of a busted quote. Um, All right, I'm just looking really quickly. All right, I, I don't know. It, if you're a privacy person, privacy does uh, inter privacy does overlap with the confidentiality security objective in our industry. So from time to time, privacy stories will come in. Um, for what it's worth, privacy really is its own discipline at this point. Uh, just so you know, like if, if you're really loving privacy, just know that there is an entire field of work in privacy that you could get into that is um, adjacent to cybersecurity, but not, you know, but not exclusively cybersecurity. Um, we'll see what happens with this law. California is um, famously the most forward country. Uh, California is the most forward state when it comes to privacy laws in the United States. Right now, the United States has a patchwork of privacy laws. Some states have nothing. Some states have what California has. I think Maine is a really forward-facing one, too, um, surprisingly. But there was talk, just so you guys know, there was talk like maybe six months ago, a year ago, of a federal privacy law, you know, kind of akin to GDPR. But part of the thing is, the private, the federal privacy law would be like at level two and California is like at level eight. And part of the stipulations were that like all states would have to bind themselves to the federal standard and not be able to add on top of it. 
Um, which obviously people like California were like, what are you nuts, dude? Like, like California was all, all like, what? And I think that's part of the reason why it fell apart because it was kind of ridiculous, honestly. And, and there were reasons why you'd have to bind to the federal standard and not be able to stack on top. Uh, and surprise, surprise, you guys want to know what the root cause was for not allowing states to add on top of the federal standard? Straight cash, homie. Straight cash, homie, because if a company like Meta is going to comply with a federal standard, they can't have special things for California residents, too. Ugh, don't get me started on this. All right, anyway, stay, stay tuned. Um, the UK just released a online child safety law, uh, which was good. This is in that same vein. Obviously, children are, I don't want to call them, children are less educated and more likely to fall for dubious things on the internet and are at risk because there are horrible, horrible people on the internet who will take advantage of a child, you know, across multiple dimensions. So these laws are there to protect children from themselves effectively. Uh, and obviously, you know, I'm, I'm all for that with two kids of my own, but, um, you know, the devil's in the details guy. And final thing, you always got to be careful with any type of legislation that would allow um, privacy invasion, whether it's eavesdropping, whether it's backdoors, whatever. Um, those are slippery slopes. A lot of times they'll use children, like the lawmakers will say, oh, like we want to protect kids. And then it's like, we, we're protecting kids, but we have the same capability to go into like John Q. Public and Susie Q. Public's email because you know, we don't like them or, you know what I mean? Like, it's a slippery slope. Eyes on the Middle East. Researchers at ESET have uncovered this back door being used for espionage by the Stealth Falcon Group. Dead Glyph, that's spelled D-E-A-D-G-L-Y-P-H, uses numerous languages in its coding along with other counter-detection mechanisms. Stealth Falcon is a nation-state actor that has been active for over a decade and targets political activists and journalists Whoa. in the Middle East. Hey, hey. We are really excited. All right, hold on now. I do declare. I do love a good infographic, guys, and uh, I, I haven't looked at this one yet, so let me digest it. But what they're saying here is a uh, backdoor. <laughs> A backdoor is targeting Middle Eastern uh, countries. Uh, there's been an uptick in activity in Middle East stuff uh, around cyber capabilities. A lot of guys, it, the Middle East has always been kind of tumultuous and um, conflicty. Um, so it's just being brought into the cyber realm, right? No, 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 nothing surprising here. Um, this is how this um, backdoor works. WMI, uh, which is what is that? Windows Management Interface. Um, event. Okay. It executes, I guess. So you get someone to double click a WMI. So there is a human intervention at some point, or you have PowerShell call it, but still someone's got to run something. Uh, Joseph, Michelle, uh, both of them got hit. MGM and Caesar got, both got hit. All right. So uh, registry shell code loader, a dynamic link library, and then encrypted with machine specific key. There we go. We got our shell code. And then we got this backdoor executing right here and communicating with a C2 server. I guess encrypting with the machine specific key up here in the top right makes it a little bit more challenging for EDR 
solutions, uh, you know, like static uh, signatures and stuff like that. Um, I do like the name Stealth Falcon. I mean, that's cool. All right, Stealth Falcon's been around since 2012, and they're targeting political activists and journalists, right? So, you know, obviously trying to quiet um, people who are calling attention to things that they don't like. Um, okay, and then the word dead is in uh, part of the back doors. Um, Mem uh, not memory, but source code, right? So, by the way, like when you are, uh, this is the final thing I'll say about this. Like when you're when you're accessing memory and you can write, you know, write hex to memory, basically, because that's that's what you typically look at is hexadecimal. Hex is a sixteen base um, counting, right? So we count zero to ten, and we don't think anything about it. When we get to ten, we increment the next thing and start over at zero. Base 16, it's the same thing. You go zero to F. So after zero, you know, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, A, B, C, D, E, F, zero, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, A, B, C, D, E, F. But because you have A, B, C, D, E, F, which are technically numbers, um, you can spell words and, and dead, you'll see dead beef a lot of times. You could see, um, like, I guess you could do uh, feed bag maybe right like i mean dead beef is eight letters long though and typically memory is shown as eight hexadecimal eight hex characters um so anyways i just wanted to share that in case you 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 didn't you didn't know that or you're like looking at this and you're like oh my god dead that's so spooky so scary and in reality it's you know it's whatever you could just stick it in there uh, a lot of times you'll see dead beef inside of uh ctf challenges and stuff all right. So anyways, if you're working in um, the Middle East, obviously you should be mindful of this. You should have an uptick for when you threat intel if you're working in the Middle East because there's a lot of activity going on over there right now. But that's that's what's up. All right. Really quickly, we're almost at time. If you were here just for the news, I genuinely appreciate that. It is uh, every other Monday I am playing... World of Haiku or Haiku Pro live on stream, live. So come over today. We're going to be playing together. I have requested, as I always do, I've requested from the Haiku team to make the range uh, T-Muxed, which is an offensive security range, uh, free to everybody between the hours of 4 p.m. and 5 p.m. Eastern time today, which means on my live stream at 4 o'clock today, you'll be able to log in without having to pay anything or put a credit card in, nothing, you'll be able to log in and play the range that I'm playing live and along with me. And I haven't played this range yet, so I don't even know. It, it, like a lot of times, like I get pretty far and then I get stuck and I need help. And fortunately, you guys are all amazing and uh, we typically solve the puzzle together. So if you're looking for a fun hangout, a little bit of an education lesson um, and just good music and uh, high fives, uh, come join me today at 4 p.m. Eastern time in about seven hours uh, from now. I'll drop a link below. Let me do this really quickly. Link. All right. All right, guys. I hope you had a good time. I want to say shout out to Anthony Hernandez. Anthony. Anthony Hernandez picked up the Simply Cyber community baton. So Anthony Hernandez is going to go on LinkedIn post 
his story and use the hashtag Simply Cyber Community Challenge. So definitely connect with him on there. I can't wait to see it personally. All right, guys. And then obviously, as I mentioned earlier, uh, this Thursday, please join us live at 3.30 uh, for Gary Binder from Intel joining us. If you are here just for the news, I bid you farewell. Thank you so very much. We'll be back tomorrow at 8 a.m. Eastern time per use for our daily dose of cyber threat management briefing. Now, if you want to hang out and do a lot of jaw jacking, please do that. Let's get into it. Be well, and I'll see you in a minute at jaw jacking. Be well, everybody. I need a I need a better um like I need to put this on my stream deck so I can just push a button. I'm over here clicking frantically at everything. What's up everybody? Welcome to Jaw Jackin. Yes, that's uh Rick Flair giving us a woo as we move into the best part of the morning. Let's do Los Angeles. Have a great day, Cobra Crown. Magdalia going to sleep? Yeah. Be good, Migdalia. All right. What do we got? How's everybody doing? Oh, my God. What what an interesting uh, set of stories today, huh? Lot lot going on. Again, I had no idea that Egypt was on the no-fly list. Or not no-fly, but, like, do-not-visit do list. Uh, you know, like, I thought their tourism was built all around uh, the pyramids and stuff. I'm canceling my AG1 subscription. I'm going to finish the bags they sent me, but I'm done. I've given this more than a fair, more than a fair assessment. Jezbo says, I thought over the last couple weeks, why aren't phishing emails utilizing the unsubscribe hyperlink button for malware injection? Seems like an easy clickable attack in a phishing email. Absolutely, Jezbo. <clears throat> I agree 100% with that. That's a, that's a brilliant... That's a brilliant option. Um, there you go. Flaming Donkey's new uh, TTPs. Unsubscribe links. Harish Kumar, anyone going for the new Splunk Cyber Defense Cert? I haven't heard about that. Uh, but Splunk just got bought by Cisco, so maybe a little bit more uh, value to it. Oh, my God. I saw a hilarious meme. Um, have you heard the rather recent live album from The Midnight? Yeah. Hold on one second. I saw a hilarious meme. Um, I'm not going to be able to find it, uh, but I'll just describe it to you. You know the meme picture where the guy's sweating and he's looking at the two buttons, the two red buttons, and he's sweating? One of them said, buy Splunk for $25 billion, and the other one said, renew Splunk license for $28 billion, which is hilarious. If you have Splunk, you know dang well how unbelievably expensive it is to renew and they got you like vendor locked in it's gross all right real bilbo yeah so the new live album from the midnight uh i have heard it it's okay i i just i just personally i'll listen to it but i don't know i'm not a fan <laughs> i'm not a fan it's like there's very few times where a live album will do more for me than a um, produced album. I'll give you one. I'll give you one really great example. Arguably my favorite um, 
my favorite live album ever. Nirvana Unplugged. Has anyone heard this? Holy crap, it's good. This is amazing on uh, live album. Also, Alice in Chains Unplugged is another killer album that's live. Most times with live albums, you know, they're like they're like riffing and going off on on random stuff or you know, I don't know. It's fun to listen to, but it's not my jam. Let's see. Uh, question from Leon Elliott. Do you use Microsoft Sandbox or do you use a VM-based Sandbox? So when I use Sandboxes, Leon, I use Any.Run. I don't use either of those options. Any.Run is where I like to detonate my malware. If I was going to use VMs, though, I, I don't know what Microsoft Sandbox is, but I would use a VM-based Sandbox because then you can um, you can snapshot it and then you can make sure that the network is all, you know, properly not connected. And then you can, like, infect the crap out of it and then just reload the uh, snapshot. Billy, what do you, why do you think hackers are now targeting healthcare when they didn't before? Oh. <coughs> okay. I think that uh, hackers are targeting healthcare more now because of affiliate marketing and ransomware as an affiliate uh, service. If you're running ransomware and you're like a life of crime, right, obviously, then you're going to have certain principles and standards, right? And attacking like U.S. government, probably not a good idea. Attacking uh, really high value targets like Colonial Pipeline or MGM Caesars, um, probably not a good move. But healthcare is a really bad move because it's like, you know, everybody... Anyone that, like, I don't care who you are, but, like, if you've had someone in your in your orbit that's been sick and the hospital's helped, you feel that way, right? Or you hear these stories about hospitals getting taken down and people getting diverted and dying and stuff like that. So it's a really kind of radioactive victim pool to target. But two things going on for it. One, because of patient safety, you're, you're more likely to get uh, executives in, in the business side of a healthcare operation to want to um, pivot and, and, and quickly get back up and running, right? So there's like an urgency built in automatically. You don't have to facilitate it. It's already there. And then two, um, a lot of these hospitals do have a lot of money. I mean, if you hit one of the larger ones that has a healthcare system, they're going to get money. So it, it just seems like a easy target. And if you're an affiliate, you don't have like you're kind of like dabbling in crime, in, in my opinion, right? I'm sure there's some like professional ransomware affiliates who are just, that's all they're doing. But for the most part, I feel like they're less principled on who they'll attack and what they'll attack because they're thinking right now, straight cash, homie, not the bigger long-term picture of what that'll do to them. Okay. Uh, who's currently working through Google cybersecurity course? How's the Python course? Jose Alfredo to the group. So if you are taking the uh, Google Cyber Cert, let us know in chat, also the Python one. Uh, did your curriculum for cybersecurity get published yet, Jerry? No. So um, my Cybersecurity 101 course um, is not published yet. Here, I will, uh, give me a second and I will share that with you. I'll share it with all of you guys, okay? Come on. 
Yeah, I have zero patience for load times. Bro. <sighs> Come on. Dude, I have high-speed internet. Like, I shouldn't... And I get it. It could be on the server side, but, like, it just... I don't have patience for it. Okay. Here we go. If you didn't know, I have the Cybersecurity 101 course coming out, okay? This is a full 15-week semester-long course that I'm doing in partnership with a college in Massachusetts. It will be worth three college credits. You can transfer them in. I, it is 15 modules. There's 12 hands-on labs. And I'm targeting um, the end of November for this to be done. And it, for it to be up and available in early 2024, okay? This isn't like, this is much more, everything I learned from the GRC Analyst Masterclass, I'm improving here. When you're done with this Cyber 101 course, you will A, know a lot, like an inch deep, a mile wide of the whole cybersecurity industry. And then two, my, um, my goal is to give you an explanation of the different roles, right? V vulnerability management analyst, GRC analyst, pen tester, SOC analyst. Uh, those are the main ones I'm going to cover. But my point is, when you when people ask me, like, say you're you're trying to skill up, you work in IT, and you just want to take a course to get some experience. There you go. This is perfect for you. You are a uh, graduating high school student, and you're wanting to uh, see if cybersecurity is an area you want to focus on in college. Here you go. A lot of people. A lot of people will say, a lot of people will say, hey, Jerry, I get, I mean, I literally get like dozens and dozens of DMs a day. Hey, I want to work in cybersecurity. Tell me what to do. And like, that's awesome. I'm super pumped you want to work in cybersecurity. But here's the reality. I can't tell you what is the best course of action unless you tell me what job you want. Because targeting a pen tester role and targeting a grc analyst role are two wildly different learning paths and career paths now what a lot of people do is they don't know the answer to that question and then they they do like a whole bunch of stuff they like they take um you know uh a splunk training and then they take uh, a practical ethical hacking test and then they do a ctf and they're kind of all over the place and they don't feel that they're making any real progress even though they're super busy and it's because you're not stacking and aligning all of your training in a synergized way, okay? So that this course is going to help you answer that question as well. That's that's part of the value add as far as I'm concerned. Okay. <laughs> all right, let's keep going here. Recently passed BTL level one. I wanted to get a digital forensics analyst. Does anyone know if I need to become a SOC analyst first? Um, well, Brian, I would tell you this. You do not need to become a SOC analyst first to get into digital forensics. However, you are way more likely from a career path perspective to get into digital forensics through a SOC, if I had to guess, okay? Um... It's a good question, though. The reason is digital forensics is like more of it. It's more of an advanced blue team thing. Yeah, you can do it um, in general, but 
a lot of times it, it's bred out of the sock, right? Like, oh, like, hey, we've got this weird thing. Let's do some additional information on it. Now, if you do work in law enforcement, there may not be a need for SOC analyst work. You can just get right into digital forensics. If you go work with like a huge company that does digital forensics, you might be able to just track right in there. But for the amount of SOC analyst jobs out there, Brian, I think it would be a, you know, a smoother career path if you did it that way. Um, just really quickly too, I want to remind everybody, I just started talking to a woman named, um, give, give me one second to pull up my email. Because it's very, it's very relevant uh, to what we're talking about right now. I just started talking to a woman named Jessica Hyde. Which, by the way, I just realized Jessica Hyde um, is the character from the the show Utopia. I don't know if you guys watched Utopia. Oh, uh, so it's just a coincidence. Her name is Jessica Hyde, but. Um, she is a, um, Jessica Hyde is a, uh, uh, like a master at digital forensics. Here we go. Look at this. I just started talking to her like, uh, yesterday. I think she's going to come on to Simply Cyber Live, maybe in the first part of Q, uh, Q1. Um, but Jessica Hyde, she's the founder of Hexordia. But just to give you an idea, Brian Roman, on why you'd want to talk to her. Um, she was the director of forensics at Magnet Forensics. Um, and she did 54 episodes on a web uh, a podcast called Cash Up. Um, she's adjunct professor teaching mobile forensics at George Mason University's graduate program. She's presented at Sands Differ Summit, Black Hat. She's keynoted uh, for very, very interesting conferences. Um, so she is all up in digital forensics face. So I, I absolutely am excited to bring her on and personally learn more about digital forensics, right? If, I, I'm very, very fortunate that like we get to, we, I get to be a, a steward of the Simply Cyber community on behalf of all of you, but like I get to find her and bring her to the Simply Cyber community. This woman's amazing. So again, I've only, someone just introduced us over email over the weekend and I just had my first back and forth with her. I'll probably have like a, a, a zoom call with her in the next couple of weeks, just to kind of, uh, you know, sync up, get to know each other a little bit and then bring her on as a guest. So stay tuned for that, Brian. Super exciting. You guys also get to see how the sausage is made. Like it's a lot of work running simply cyber, um, and, and planning and logistics and guest management and stuff like that. All right. So Carrie's saying, is there a pay what you can for the cyber 101 course? No, Carrie, it will not be pay what you can. In fact, it's it's going to be significantly more expensive than the GRC Analyst Masterclass. It's a fit, like, just to put it in perspective, um, the Cyber 101 course has, it, it, it has at least 60 hours of content in it. It's a full 15 week, like six hour a week college course. Um, and I'm working my butt off on it, but it, I mean, it's, it's probably taken me six months to make. So it's, it's definitely going to be priced higher. Um, I do plan on, um, doing raffles. I think maybe like we'll make it part of the daily cyber threat briefing process. So like every, every Monday or every Friday will be like raffle raffle day or something like that. And we can raffle off stuff like that. And I'll make it available like that. But now that I'm 
basically in business for myself, I, I can't, I, I can't, I can't do pay what you can uh, for my stuff because uh, the GRC Analyst Masterclass uh, definitely had some lessons learned there. All right, so Joseph Michelle passed my ISC uh, CC Thursday, had an interview Friday, waiting to hear back. Junior Sock, heck yeah. First of all, congratulations on passing the ISC to CC. That's fantastic. Second of all, Joseph, way to crush it at the interview. Joseph Michelle, were you asked, how do you stay current in the industry? Let me know. <laughs> Let me know. <coughs> Excuse me. What's easier to get? Okay, so this is enlightened. Enlightenment. Enlightenment tech PTS. What is easier to get into? Vulnerability management or SOC analyst? Ooh, that's a good question. Okay, hold on. That's a good question. Okay, just on the surface, Enlightenment Tech PTS, just on the surface, I would guess SOC analyst is easier to get into. Okay, only because I think there's more SOC analyst jobs. That field is a bit more well-defined. Um, MDRs, or Managed Detection and Response Services, um, all they have is like SOC analyst positions, and a lot of them have like really robust um not training programs, but like you get hired with no experience and they have you just like doing grunt work with like phishing emails and then shadowing and then moving into the SOC. Like there's really well-defined processes. Vulnerability management is more of an in-house service for businesses with InfoSec offices. So there isn't, there's no, as far as I know, there's no such thing as like outsourced managed vulnerability management. That's basically when you have MSPs that do your patching, but vulnerabilities go way beyond patching, especially with exposure management uh, being the new hotness right now. Uh, so all that's a long way to say that I believe uh, SOC analyst is gonna be your easier path. And when I say easier path, it's still not easy. It's just, you're gonna find more opportunity than over vulnerability management. Um, all right. Justin Gold's in the house. Good to see you. Taekwon Gong. Good to see you. Jerry, what are your thoughts on working for the government as a pen tester? Would the pay be good? Yeah, I mean, Taekwon Gong, my typically. All right, so here's the, the question was pen testing for the government. You got you got one of two options here, okay, Taekwon Gong. One, the government hires a consulting firm to do pen testing, which is very common, right? At least in the United States, it's very common to have uh, professional services contracts. They pay through the nose because the contracts are rich and, and juicy, okay? Great cash, homie. So if you go with a professional services firm and you're a good pen tester, you're gonna make that cheddar, okay? Now, if you work for the government and you're a pen tester, you're not gonna get paid as much. However, you are going to, uh, like if you work for the NSA, or US Cyber Command or something like that, as a pen tester, chances are you're gonna have really, really interesting projects. You're gonna have access to a lot of resources. And typically the government, um, you have huge training budgets, right? So you can go to all the SANS things and um, and do inside um, network, not networking, but like there's internal summits and stuff like that for federal, like, you know, you could go to the FBI you know, Quantico, um, CISO training and stuff like that. I mean, not CISO. Well, you, they have a CISO training, but like, you see what I'm saying? Like, it's a benefit. Like, you can make more money or you can have access to more kind of resources and opportunity. All right. 
Jenny Housley, or Space Tacos, Simply Cyber, any chance you can get that guy Pierogi on as a guest for story time? That would be fantastic. Yeah, um, so Space Tacos, I appreciate that. Pierogi would be amazing. Let me, let's see. I mean, he probably gets hammered all the time for guest interviews. He's, a, he's, he's, I'm, he's like, he's big, right? Six million subs or whatever. Uh, I could certainly try. I know John Hammond. John Hammond obviously knows Pierogi, but the thing is like, I, I I don't know. I wouldn't want to call John and be like, I don't want to spend that capital to like put John in a position where I'm like, John, can you introduce me to Pierogi? Like, I'd rather one day I will try space tacos. I just, I don't, I don't, I can't today. You know what I mean? All right. Um, Jenny Housley. Oh, I'm sorry. Enlightenment. If you have a sec plus is cyber one-on-one course beneficial. Um, okay, so it depends. So what I will tell you is my Cyber 101 course will cover everything. And I did I did do a crosswalk of SEC plus learning objectives and domains to my course. And my course has all of the SEC plus content in it, right? It's not designed to teach you security plus um, like cramming, right? But it covers all of it plus a whole lot more what you would get in my course and i haven't really broken this all down in like a nice easy digestible communicated way but my course basically um you're going to understand all the different roles in the in the comp in the uh, industry which you're not going to get from any sec plus or any textbook plus i'm going to give you real experience like i've worked in the industry i've i've done many of these roles and for the like for the pen testing one, I'm actually thinking about getting a guest lecture for that particular lecture. Someone who's done it professionally for a while. Excuse, oh my gosh, excuse me. But uh, one, I feel like one key differentiator between my course and Sec Plus training, for example, is like there's a ton of stuff that you're just never going to read in a textbook. There's a ton of stuff that's just real, and you don't know it unless you've lived it. And I've put all of that in the course, too, because, like, why wouldn't I share that? And then secondly, um, there's real hands-on labs, lots of them, at least a dozen, that drive home the point of whatever it is that I'm talking about in that modules lecture series. So so that's what's up. Um, hopefully that answers your question. Oh, <laughs> Mods are being really nice saying that I could reach out to Pierogi because I've got uh, swag. Um, Jenny, oh, Adam V asks, by the way, Adam, I love that blue logo. Thanks for being a squad member for so long. Have you and David Bombal ever collaborated? No, I, I've never collaborated with Do David. Um, I know him and Neil have collaborated a few times and I've asked Neil to introduce me to David, but Neil has yet to, uh, do that. So no, I, I haven't had a chance to, um, coordinate with him, collaborate with him. My plan, again, like I said in the town hall meeting a couple weeks ago, like I'm hyper-focused right now on Cyber 101, and I'm doing another course that I, I barely ever talk about for a company that will be free. Um, the company is going to own all the intellectual property. So this is like a transactional deal where I've made a, a five-hour five, – I'm in the middle of – I'm almost done with it, actually. I may, I'm making a five-hour – mini course, you know, define mini if you will, but I'm making a course for a 
well-known cybersecurity vendor. I wrote the course. I'm, I'm delivering the course. I came up with all the questions and everything like that. The entire course I built and it's packaged and I'm handing it to this vent, uh, this security vendor and it will be free to take once it's published. And that should be coming out in a couple weeks or maybe a month. And, uh, those two things I'm hyper-focused on right now. It's a lot of work. I don't, if anyone in chat has ever tried to make a course, then you know it's not it's not light work. You know, it's it's like easy to like make an outline and be like, yeah, but like making the slides, making the curriculum, making sure you're touching all these things, having it cohesive, then recording, editing, audio, lighting. It's it's an it's a boatload of work. It's in it's a lot of work. Um, plus. Um, again, how many people we got? 243. Just so you guys know, uh, again, I'm, I'm telling you, this is like, I feel like, uh, with jaw jacking, the later it gets, or the later it gets in jaw jacking, the more deeper the cuts go. But like, I'm actually thinking about switching platforms from Teachable to Kajabi, uh, which I know all of you are probably like, what's that mean to me? But like, it's a major effort to lift the entire GRC analyst masterclass and all there's like 18,000 students lift them all up and move them to Kajabi. But if I'm going to move to Kajabi, I have to do it before the cyber 101 course comes out because if I do it afterwards, it's going to be like insane. Um, yeah, I know. God, this like my, my shirt just like magically comes off because this song guys, Oh my God. Is it hot in here? Woo. Jesus. I can't, I can't right now. Crockett's revenge killing me smalls all right um akil george been feeling scatterbrained seeing a lot of grc roles out there while studying for the sec plus is it better just to go right into the grc and worry about sec plus later or will sec plus help my chances akil um hmm it depends right so if you have uh networked connections and find out about a job you might be able to get through without having the sec plus the sec plus is like you know an hr a gatekeeper kind of cert um i would still apply i mean i would apply to the grc rules without having the sec plus but continue to work the sec plus what i would say is take your resume drop it in chat gpt take a standard grc analyst entry-level position drop it in gr uh, chat gpt Ask ChatGPT to refine your resume for that job and then just be firing them off almost automatically while studying for Sec Plus. It's not required. As a hiring manager, when I look at an entry level person uh, and I see Sec Plus, I just like, I'm like, okay, like I just nod. If I don't see Sec Plus, it doesn't, I don't say this candidate's not gonna get it, but. Um, I, I, I want to, there, there should be something on the resume that's going to catch my eye and inspire me to be like, okay, this person's got some, some stuff. All right. Um, I know. Hey, Kimberly, I know I tried, <laughs> I tried. I've asked, I have asked Neil, but it's not something you push though. Like you can't push, you can't push. Um, having someone that you've collaborated with introduce you to someone else they've collaborated with, right? I mean, you can you can mention it, but you can't push it because uh, you don't. I mean, at least for me, I don't want to put someone in a position 
where I feel like, they, you know, I'm like not extorting them, but like I'm leveraging them, you know? You say it once, and if they don't do it, then, you know, they don't do it, and that's all. It's just you move on. Um, Billy DP, do you have any stories that would be featured on Darknet Diaries? Ooh. Um, that's a good question. Um, I don't. I mean, I have I have one, like, I don't know, kind of cool story. Um, I mean, it never really turned into anything, but... Um, let, uh, Billy DP, I have one good story, but I'd have to really think through what I'd want to sanitize or redact and what I'd want to be, what I would share publicly. Because um, it involves like basically merging two networks, like uh, two companies that had merged um, and uh, basically one of them was infected with ransomware, like when we merged them and it, as soon as we merged them, it traversed across. And then there was a decision whether or not, here, I guess I'll tell you a little bit right now. There was a decision whether or not to shut off the internet to this infected site, uh, which was ultimately the case. But when you shut off the internet to a site, if that site is depending on cloud services, like hypothetically for Telestroke, and someone walks into the ED presenting stroke, and you cannot get a neurologist, which is a specialty, on on a telestroke presence because you don't have internet at the site. Well, then you're really faced with an interesting decision. Do you turn the internet back on, allow the specialist to telestroke and see the patient, and potentially let ran ransomware run roughshod across your network knowing it's there, right? Or do you leave it off knowing that the ransomware will not be able to get in into your main facility because of, there's no internet? But the person presenting stroke symptoms, you know, very interesting question. Very, very challenging and very serious uh, decisions that are having to be made, my, by the way, at 1030 at night. Yeah, it happens, BSEC. What the Shell podcasts? I have not heard of that. I have not, but let's... Uh, let's let me look at that really quickly. What the Shell? I, I, I like the name right off the rip, okay? Let's look. John Cordes? Uh, he dives into major hacks and volumes to a way meant to be accessible by anyone. All right, dude, jumping into important topics and making it accessible to anyone. That's, that's what simply cyber was built on making cybersecurity accessible. Yes. Look at this guy. I'm going to his discord. Let's roll baby. Yes. Join what the shell. 48 online, 300 members. I'm in. Yes. I'm in. I don't know about you guys, but I just joined this server. <laughs> I just joined Discord. We'll get we'll get into there later. All right, guys. Uh, we are at 9:30. I do want to say thank you all for being here today. I got got work to do, but um have a great and cheesy day. That's right, Carrie. 
Everybody have a great day. Be well. <clears throat> Thank you. Um, oh, thanks, Matt McDaniel. I'll, I'll definitely giddy up on that. Oh, my God. What a day. All right, guys. I'm Jerry, your chat. Thanks so much for being here. We'll be back later today at 4 p.m. for Haiku Let's Play if you want to boogie on that. And if not, if you're just here for the news, tomorrow, 8 a.m. Eastern Time, every single weekday. And then I got Citadel tomorrow. All right. I'm Jerry, your chat. Be well. And now, next time, stay secure. <laughs>